Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are journeying on our study of the life of the Lord Jesus, and I certainly hope that, uh, and I know this is my prayer, that uh, through these studies in the Gospels that we'll come to know the Lord Jesus more intimately than we ever have before. And we've gone through quite a bit now. We're almost ended uh, the second year of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and getting ready to begin the third year. And we left off with Jesus commissioning and sending out the twelve and how that they went forth and they preached everywhere to men that they should repent and how that they cast out devils and they anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. So we see that the anointing that Jesus passed on and transferred to the 12 disciples, they were able to go out and do the very things that Jesus did. Notice the ministry of Jesus was in preaching and teaching and in healing. Amen. So now we're at this point and we're going to be talking about Herod to start off. But let's go ahead and pray first and ask the Lord's blessings on this session today. Father, we thank you so much. Without the Holy Spirit, now we're lost. We have absolutely no idea. Uh, we have no understanding. But Father, you, you are the one through the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding. And Lord, we just ask you to reveal yourself to us, Father, through the scriptures. Help us to see you in a more clear and more intimate way. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So we're just going to depend upon the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today out of his word. Amen. Praise God. So we're in Mark chapter six. We'll begin in verse 14. And King Herod heard of him talking about Jesus. Uh, and the reason why is because his name was being spread abroad. Now, understand uh, and remember that uh, practically all of the ministry of the Lord Jesus now has been in the region of Galilee. So. This is the area where Herod Antipas was the governor of. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias and others said it is a prophet or one of the prophets. But when Herod heard about Jesus, he said, it is John to whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. So you can see right here. Uh, the kind of man that Herod is. He's a man that's filled with fear. And we're going to see that as we go along here in verse 17. For Herod himself had sent forth and lay hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. So Herod has John the Baptist arrested to try to placate Herodias. And this is why. Verse 18, for John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. So I think probably Herod had uh, John arrested to try to placate Herodias, but also to protect him because we're going to find out. Uh, and I think we already know this, that Herodias was had the same spirit that Jezebel had. When she determined that she wanted something done, she was going to do it. And if Herod refused, uh, she would find some way, amen, to get him to placate her and to uh, uh, answer her desires. And so uh, 
Herodias now, she's wanting John the Baptist dead. And uh, Herod is standing in her way. So, uh, and we're going to find out here also uh, in verse 20, for Herod feared John. So here we have Herod. He fears John. He's afraid of John. He's afraid of Herodias. He's afraid for his kingdom. Amen. Uh, the Herodian dynasty was filled with intrigue. Uh, we had uh, family members fighting against and poisoning and killing family members. Remember how much harm Herod the Great had done to his own family, to his sons and to his wife. So um, this is the kind of situation to where men lust for power. But along with that power comes the fear of losing that power. And so we see Herod. He's just a, a man that's filled with fear. Uh, and actually, when it says in the scripture, verse 20, Herod feared John, uh, the word there means that he was in a continual state of fear concerning John. Well, that also means that he was in a continual state of fear concerning Herodias and concerning the welfare of his kingship. And so this is such a sad situation that Herod is bowing to the wishes of his wife. His wife is determined to kill John. But yet Herod wants to protect John. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, if all of this bad news gets back to Rome, uh, the Caesar may uh, change Herod out and put somebody else in his place. So here's the lust for power and uh, also the fact that, uh, uh, that Herod is filled with sin. And of course, sin will always take us farther than where we wanted to go. And so we're going to find out here that uh, Herod, because of uh, his vacillating, because of his fear, is going to do something that's going to forever mark uh, his life. All right. Verse 21. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief of states of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias, Salome, came in and danced and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, See, this uh, Herod can't see afar off. And that's what sin does. Sin blinds us uh, to wisdom. And wisdom is the ability to see the end result of things. And, of course, Herod here has no wisdom whatsoever. And he says to Salome, Ask of me whatsoever you will, and I'll give it to you. And he swore to her. He made an oath to her. Now, listen, he is placing, Herod is placing his welfare and the welfare of his kingdom into the daughter of Herodias, who, who did nothing but dance before him. And I guess in such a sensual matter that it pleased Herod. And he swore to her, whatsoever you shall ask of me, I will give it to you unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in with haste unto the king and said to him, I will that, I will that you give to me in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for the oath's sake and for the sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. So uh, he so Herod made such a rash move 
that placed half of his kingdom in, in the uh, request of Salome. And as a result, Herodias got what she wanted. She wanted John the Baptist killed. And of course, Herod fell into a trap. And so Herodias got her wish answered. She had the head of John the Baptist now. And so she sought her revenge. But the issue is this, that what Herod started ended up in tragedy for him because he wound up losing his reign. And uh, this happened in A.D. 39. Uh, he, he lost his tetrarchy and he was banished to Spain. And that's where he died, along with Herodias and along with Salome. So uh, all three of these individuals that had a part in the martyrdom of John the Baptist did not live too long. As a matter of fact, they lived uh, very short lives before their end came. And so that's a, a sad epitaph upon poor leadership. And when we have leaders in our government that the only purpose by which they want to be leaders is to get power, then you know that we are in trouble. And of course, we also know that their end will not end well. And so here we go now. We're in, uh, we're going to take some, uh, some, inf- some added information here in verse 25. I mean, verse 29. It says, And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And Matthew records that they went and told Jesus. And Matthew also records that when Jesus heard of it, he departed into, by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. So uh, the area that we're talking about is the area of northern part of Galilee, uh, Capernaum, Bethsaida, uh, Gennesaret, which we'll get to in a little bit. All of this area is the northeastern and northwestern part of Galilee. So we're talking about an area that's not too far away from one another. And so now here we come to the event where the 12 who were commissioned earlier, and this is what we talked about last session, and they return now and they begin to tell Jesus about the things that uh, that both have happened and the things that they did. And so Mark in chapter six, beginning in verse 30, he says this, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So. Um, so now here we have the, the disciples going forth. They preached, they healed, and also they had taught. Now, Jesus did not commission these 12 to teach, but they did anyway. And so I would imagine that their teaching comprised of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, his call to repentance, and of course, the great things that Christ was doing. And so in verse 31, and he said to them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. So you can imagine the type of fame and uh, recognition that Jesus is receiving now in this part of Galilee. Of course, now he's ministered here uh, for two years, and so his name is being spread abroad, and uh, people are coming and going. And uh, verse 32 says, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing and many knew him. In other words, they knew of his ministry. His name was known in Galilee. 
and ran afoot. But many, many knew him. Not all knew him, but many knew him. See, there's some people that just don't get it. I remember the great Brownsville revival in Pensacola, Florida. That thing went on for five years. Some tremendous things were being done. Uh, that revival uh, became internationally known. People from all over the world were coming and uh, they were coming to attend these meetings. And yet there were people in Pensacola that had never heard of the revival, had never heard of Brownsville. And so here we are in an area that Jesus has been in for two years and he's done many, many miraculous things. He's preached all over uh, the area of Galilee. And yet there were many that did know him, but there were also many that did not know him. And that's a sad epitaph upon uh, humanity and upon our lack of understanding when it comes to spiritual things. So once again, verse 33, and the people saw them departing and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and out went. Actually, they got there ahead of Jesus and the disciples and came together unto him. So here's the ministry of the Lord Jesus. It's expanding. The 12 certainly have contributed uh, to the notoriety of Jesus by going forth two by two in the cities in this area of Galilee and preaching and teaching and healing the people. And, of course, giving all of the the uh, the claim and all the glory to the Lord Jesus, who is their master and teacher. And Jesus, verse 34, when he came out and saw much people, he was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. To This is the main um thing that we need to see in this study concerning the ministry of Jesus. He was a man of compassion. He was moved with compassion. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus has moved with compassion towards you. I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus certainly does. I don't even know if you're listening to the broadcast, if you if you've ever asked Christ to come into your heart and life. But Jesus has moved with compassion towards you. He wants to save you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to heal you. Amen. Praise God. And so uh, God is actively working on your behalf. He has his best. He has your best interests at heart and he wants to do you good. And it's like what Peter said, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all the people that were oppressed of the devil. God wants to touch you. The Lord Jesus wants to touch your heart. He wants to touch your life. He wants to touch your body. He has much compassion upon you. And notice uh, Mark records he was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. There are many in the church world today that never darken the door of the church. They're not members of a church. They are sheep without a shepherd. They call Jesus their shepherd. But listen, I know that. And I know that Jesus is our shepherd. He is the great shepherd. But Jesus has given to the church under shepherds. They're called pastors. Men who love God and who want to take care of you and want to watch over you and want to teach you and counsel you and encourage you in the things of God. Get yourself back into church. Well, I can't find a church that I'm really satisfied with. Well, just plug into a church that's teaching the word of God and just be faithful. If you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for Jesus. 
Amen. Be a part of a church. Be a part of this great organism in the world today that's getting stronger and stronger. And I'm not talking about the nominal church. The nominal church, for the most part, doesn't know even who Jesus is. I'm talking about the born again church. I'm talking about the people that have been translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm talking about people that have the spirit. Amen. And that are following after Jesus to know him. Amen. Be a part of that group. Amen. Praise God. I'm sure that you will not be disappointed. So Jesus was moved with compassion. This is a regular occurrence with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he ministered to them and taught them many things. And and I'm sure that uh, that there were many there that were helped. And and uh, and God was uh, was working through the Lord Jesus Christ to bless his people. And verse 35, and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, see, verse 36, let's go back to verse 36. See, this is our plight. We know what the needs of men are, but we do not know how to supply those needs. That's why Jesus needs to be our Lord and our master. And we need to yield ourselves fully and and completely to him. Verse 37 says, and he answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread, almost a year's wage and give them to eat? See, here here are the disciples. They're thinking on a horizontal plane. They have no ability in themselves to supply the needs of the people. Ministry without the anointing of the Holy Ghost is totally incapable of meeting the needs of people. And let me tell you something. I have been there. I have been there in the presence of people that had dire needs and there was no anointing to answer those needs. And that is a helpless and pitiful and a shameful position to be in. I was so afraid I wanted to run away just as far as could, just as far away as I possibly could. See, without the Holy Spirit, without his anointing, without the power of God working on the inside of us, we're not going to be able to meet the needs of men. And believe me, today, the needs of men are as great as they were back in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so Jesus says to them in verse 38, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they they did, they said, we have five loaves of bread and two fishes. And notice what Jesus says now. And he commanded them to make all of the people sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were all filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fish. Now, this is a miracle that only God can do. As a matter of fact, all four Gospels mention this miracle, the feeding of the multitude. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. See, only God can do this. 
But you're going to see here that it's because of what Paul said. The natural man cannot receive the things of God, for they are foolishness unto them. He cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. And of course, these 12 men, they're, they're, they're set apart for God's use. They're, they're Jewish men. They're circumcised and they're men that are being saved by faith, but they don't have the spirit of God on the inside of them. They are acquainted with the Holy Ghost coming upon them. But see, they don't have the spirit within them. And we're going to find out just exactly what I mean. Verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. And when Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. God does not is not going to make you believe. He gives you all that is necessary to believe. But you and I are going to have to stand up and we're going to have to act upon the word. And we're going to see as we go further along just exactly what that means. And so Jesus departs. He departs into a mountain by himself. And now in Mark chapter six, beginning in verse uh, 45, we're back in the gospel of Mark now. We were in John for two verses. Now we're back in Mark. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on land. So here Jesus is. He's on the mountaintop praying and he's looking down on the uh, on the Sea of Galilee and he sees the disciples rowing. And verse 48, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he comes to them. Now, on a calm water, it doesn't take that long to row from where they were to where they were going. But the wind was blowing so hard against them, it was the fourth watch of the night. We're talking about, this is it. At, at midnight, early in the morning. And here they are. They're still rowing. They are still trying to get to where uh, Jesus told them to go. And so here they are, the fourth watch in the night. He came to them walking on the sea and would have passed by them. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Praise God. I tell you what, I would rather go the way of Jesus than I would the way of the disciples who were rowing against that storm. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I tell you, if we'll follow Jesus, we'll get there a whole lot quicker. You remember when the Israelites left Egypt, they wound up because of disobedience and unbelief. They wound up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. We're talking about encompassing an area less than uh, 50 to 100 miles, maybe less than that. And yet for 40 years, they wandered around and around and around. They went around this block so many times until all those that uh, offended God had died. I'm telling you that 
if we'll just follow Jesus, if we'll just follow his word and if we'll be led by the spirit of the living God, we will get where God wants us to be a whole lot faster than when we try to do it ourselves. So here's the Lord Jesus. He's on the mountaintop and he sees the 12 roaming against the wind. And verse 39 says, but when they saw him, so here, here are the disciples now, they see Jesus walking on the sea and he's going to pass them by. <laughs> I tell you, that's just amazing to me. Verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately, now here Jesus is, he's close enough to the boat to talk to them. And immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. And he went up. Now, this is a miracle now. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed beyond measure and wondered. And uh, it also says in the Gospels, and immediately they were at the shore. Here they were toiling all night long to try to get to the other side. And when Jesus steps into the boat, the wind ceased and they were immediately at land. Now, that is a miracle. But see, that proves to us the power of our Lord and our Savior. What he's willing to do, if we will obey and follow him and yield to the spirit of the living God, and allow him to lead God and direct us, we'll get and we'll finish God's plan and purpose. See, here they are in their own strength trying to row against the wind, the contrary winds. Listen, there are the winds of the spirit of this world that blow against us to try to hinder us and stop us from doing what God has called us to do. This is when we follow Jesus and we follow his word we follow his spirit, praise God, and he'll get us. And when we stick with Jesus, the contrary wind will stop blowing, praise God, and we'll be exactly where he wants us to be. And so here we see Jesus in, in, in the gospel of Mark records that in chapter four, Jesus, he displays his teachings and in John chapter 5, with the woman with the issue of blood and the raising of Jairus' daughter, uh, he displays his authority. And now here he is in chapter 6, displaying his power in the miracles which he did. And of course, this miracle, Matthew, John, and Peter, and the rest of the 12, they were all white witnesses of it. Matthew records it. John records it. But see, here's the sad thing. This miracle did not make a great impression upon his disciples that Jesus was, in fact, the divine son of God. They just couldn't see it. The realization of it, the discernment of it, even though they knew that, they recognized that in their brain. See, it wasn't in their heart. They just could not understand. Now, how do I know this? Well, look, look at verse 53, 51 and 52. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure. They just could not believe. And they wondered, 
Who is this man? How can he do this stuff? Verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the Lord of the loaves for their heart was hardened. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. You know, it's like so many people today. Well, yeah, I got healed, but what are you going to do for me now? Yeah, well, that was last week. What are you going to do for me now? See, these impressions, these miraculous impressions that the Lord reveals to us and shows to us, they should lead us into a deeper revelation and a deeper uh, yielding and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. But like the people in Israel, you know, well, you fed me, you fed them with bread. Now feed me. Let, you know, go ahead and do another miracle and we'll see that as we get along. But right now I'm out of time. But uh, let's just go ahead and pray and uh, and we'll we'll uh, speak again in the next session. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you today for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, help us to trust in Jesus all the way, all the way. Hold nothing back. Yield everything to him. Our mind soul, body, spirit, everything, spirit, soul, and body, our mind, our will, and emotions, Father, to you, Lord. Hallelujah. You will show yourself strong on our behalf if we'll do that. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.